Hello again and welcome to another episode of Real Talk with RJ. If this is your first time listening, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow so you know exactly when we release brand new episodes. Also, don't forget to share. If you like what you hear, share it with everyone you know. This episode... You know, in all the episodes that I do, I try to keep them neutral and uh, available to a wider spectrum of audience members and fans so that everybody really gets something. But this is something that actually kind of hit me this morning as I was really, uh, really focusing on Jesus Christ. And it was something that um, that made me really start thinking. And it was a message that I felt inspired to share with everyone else who's going to be listening to this uh, this episode so we're going to be focusing on why is it so hard to follow jesus christ that's a that's a pretty big deal you know like because there are so many people out there that call themselves christians and as we know that there's so many people who are far from that and not to put one person above another or to look down our nose upon another person but it's just it's the reality there's often a bad stigma against Christians because there's so many hypocrites found within the Christian umbrella, you know? And so when people are actually looking for real legitimate Christians and they look to the examples of other people, then they often get disappointed. So it's the same thing as like, if somebody were to try to come up there and teach you how to, you know, become wealthy. Some random person walks up and says, I want to show you how to become wealthy. And the first question out of your mouth is, how long have you been doing it? And they're like, oh yeah, you know, I've been doing it for, you know, three years now. Okay, what kind of car do you drive? And then you see the car they drive and it's a very beat up old car. And you're like, how are you going to teach me how to be rich when you're broke yourself? I'm good, thank you. Even if that person has good information and that person has all the good tools on how to become wealthy, he just hasn't used them properly, but he knows the tools. The fact is, it's going to be very hard for him because he's not a living example on what it means to be wealthy and how to get there. You know, and so when a person's like, when a person is talking about Jesus Christ and trying to share the gospel with that individual, but they're far from it, they're sitting there cussing and always talking about sex and always talking about, you know, the women or men that they want to sleep with or, you know, ridiculing other people because of their beliefs. How in the world? Are you going to be an example of what it means to be a Christian if you're too busy shining the light on your hypocrisy? Being a Christian has nothing to do with being perfect. It has everything to do with giving your best because that is ultimately all that we can give. The most you can possibly give to the Lord or to any other person is your best. The Lord knows we have weaknesses. He is very aware that we have weaknesses. So, in a past episode, I actually uh, I used to be around a bunch of guys and we used to, you know, ridicule and talk bad about other people and insult other people. And I was guilty of this. You know, this was during a time in my life where I really wanted to change and become a better Christian. Now, when I use the term Christian, I, I just want to, you know, have a, a, a clear understanding. When I say Christian, I mean a person or a group or individual who is doing their best to follow Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about any specific church or any specific belief systems. I'm talking about people who are trying to follow Christ. I'm not going to put down anybody's beliefs just because they don't agree or line up with what I think they should be, because ultimately I don't have holes in my hands or on my side and I didn't die for anyone's sins. So I'm not Jesus Christ. I have no right to tell you what is right or wrong. I can only share what I believe to be true and what I believe the Lord has told me now. So just to unify all classes of Christianity, we're talking about people who are trying to follow Jesus Christ. So. I had some buddies that were Wiccan 
you know they you know obviously not christ center these people practice uh witchcraft and things like that and, and different things but these are really good dudes and i got the example that it was okay to hang out with these individuals when jesus was out there with tax uh you know tax collectors publicans with uh, the pharisees sadducees and even the romans who were pagan he was with everybody who was willing to you know be around him he never changed who he was he influenced those around him and he served and loved those around him so i said all that to say that these individuals we used to always make fun of other people you know of course out of the earshot where they weren't paying attention to us and I would see someone who got a big forehead and I'd make side uh, make fun of the side of the forehead and and all kinds of the jokes and my buddies and I we'd laugh at them. But then one day the spirit kind of just like really really convicted my heart and he's like, "What are you doing? I didn't I didn't plant you here so that you can start insulting other people and growing for Satan. I planted you here so you can grow for me. You're part of my garden, right? If you're part of my garden, why are you acting like a weed? Why are you sucking all the nutrients from my my other flowers it really just hit me hard because i i was it was absolutely right i was actually being a hypocrite these guys knew about my beliefs but you know actions speak louder than words i'm sure every one of us has met a dentist who's like you shouldn't smoke smoking's horrible smoking's bad and then they go outside and light up a cigarette and we're like yeah so much for that so i could not close the door of making fun of people with the, with these guys because it's just not like that when you open up a proverbial door a proverbial door door with someone you can't just shut it you can't just change up on a person and then all of a sudden expect them to be okay with that you have to accept responsibility for your actions so i pondered and pondered and i prayed and asked the lord like how can i stop doing this without you know without losing a good relationship with these individuals because they're they're good people they just have different beliefs how can i stop and work on myself and that was the focus working on me i can't control what other people do but i can control what i do and that's ultimately what we i when i stand before christ i have to answer for everything i did and what a lot of people don't realize is we also have to answer for what we did that influenced other people so if I have kids and I didn't teach them the gospel or what I believe to be true and I sat there and neglected them and invited all these other bad uh, uh, influences in my home and they, you know, susceptible, they were susceptible to those things. I have to answer for that. I'm responsible for my part, even if it's 10 percent of their sins, I'm responsible for my influence on other people. I'm only responsible for me, my influence and what I did that's what I have to answer for so that example I had to be very careful about so the Lord gave me an idea so I, I asked for my buddies I, I asked I told them you know I really want to grow closer to God and I really want to and that's one thing that's one reason why we were really really close I never tried to change their beliefs they never tried to change mine we had good discussions about things that we agreed with and you know things that pagans and Christians have in common we started actually talking about those things and we built on those things and I I would always ask them questions about what it, what it was that they believed and one of the reasons why is because, and I use this proverb, when you are a doctor, if you want to give the best possible treatment to your patients, it's important to understand their symptoms. It's important to understand how they feel because you don't just walk into a, into a, your patient's waiting room and go, all right, we're going to start you on some acetaminophen, give you, uh, you know, a couple of extra doses of, of, of Vicodin as well when it gets really bad. And then we're going to cut your left leg off. And they're like, uh, doctor, I have sleep apnea i have problems sleeping like oh well none of that stuff would apply <laughs> thank god you sold me that because i would have cut off your leg 
you know, if you want to give proper treatment, you want to make sure you understand the symptoms of the situation. Now, when I use that term, I use it to relate it to what I'm talking about. As a Christian, a lot of people think, oh, stay away from Muslims or stay away from pagans or stay away from devil worshipers. Why? They can't influence you unless you let them. But if you are focused on serving the Lord, those are the people that you want to be around. Not to support them, but to love them. How else are you going to sit there and share the light and love of God if you were avoiding the people that need it the most? That's what being a Christian is all about, is going behind the enemy's lines and finding those souls that need the Lord the most and don't even know him and introduce them to him through your actions. This is a partnership with God, you know? He doesn't have to use us. He doesn't need to use us. He wants to use us. That's what separates it. He wants to share his responsibility with us by allowing us to take part in this incredible plan of his. And the only way we can do that is if we do it his way. So when I talk to my buddies, going back to my point, when I talk to my buddies, I told them I really want to get closer to the Lord. I really want to be a better example of what it means, what it, you know, what it is that I believe. And I, I admitted and confessed that I had not up to this point been a good example. I admitted so it could never be thrown in my face. I took responsibility for my actions and said, you know, I have not been a good example of what it means to be a Christian. I'm over here making fun of this. And I explained this is not a subliminal to you guys. I am not trying to say anything to you guys about how you guys live or anything like that. This is only about my personal observance to my gospel that I believe to be true. And they they were completely respectful about that. And I told them I, I really want to help. I really want to stop making fun of other people. And I really want to stop these habits. And, you know, I'm asking you guys if you'll help me out. Like, I want you to call me out. Every time I'm, I slip up and do it, I want you to call me out. And they smile. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious, dude. I want you guys to hold me accountable and call me out until I stop. They're like, all right, if you're sure, I'm like, I'm sure I'm serious. So, you know, I, I slipped a couple of times and they call me out like, hey, you wanted to stop. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And that was the end of it. There was no justification. But, but look at his head, dude. His head's huge. I didn't do any of that. I completely took responsibility for a sin that I had committed. And my buddies were actually helping. They never ridiculed me for wanting to change. They respected that I was trying to be a better example of what I believe. And they helped me. And they also, as a side effect, they stopped doing it around me as well. I never once asked them to. They saw my example and God used that example to bless their lives. That was a real special blessing about it. That was the miracle behind it, is that other people I didn't know were watching were paying attention. You know, the Lord says that we are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Men don't light a candle and put it under a basket, but he, he, they put it on a candlestick so that it can give light into the entire room. Of course, I, I paraphrase and modernize the words, but that's what he said. When you have a light that shines in darkness, everyone's eyes naturally are drawn to the light source like go try it try like put a candle and like turn off all the lights in your room and have all your buddies just stand there and be in a completely pitch black area and then light a candle or light a match or light a lighter put some type of flame in a pitch black room 
and then watch where everyone's eyes go. Everyone's eyes will naturally, without even thinking, go right to the light. This world is getting pitch black. And of course, you know, I mean, spiritually, it's getting pitch black where right is being called wrong and wrong is being called right. It's getting dark. So two things are happening here. Other people are blending into the darkness or others are starting to shine bright. Now, here's the here's the important thing people need to remember about light. And or, like if you have that same pitch black room, if you're in that com that completely pitch black room and then you have this mag light, this huge, strong, powerful uh, flashlight and I just flash in your face, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to close your eyes, turn your head away and block the light from hitting you because it's too powerful. But if I take that same light, but I don't start with the light, I start with a candle. And then I light uh, that candle get that candle flame gets a little stronger, and then I gradually increase the the power of that light until the mag light is there. The mag light is not going to bother you as much because your eyes became acquainted with that level of light. So sometimes it's not about hiding your light; it's just making sure that you don't overpower your your light to the people who aren't ready for that level of light. Because Jesus Christ didn't do that; He Himself. When he was around those people that needed him, the, the pagan uh, that, that asked him, the, the, the Roman that asked him, like, Lord, can you please heal my son? He didn't go, you aren't even Jewish. Your light is completely dim. I don't know why Jesus is talking in a British accent all of a sudden, but he didn't go up there and start talking about that stuff. He didn't condemn this guy or ridicule how little light he had. In fact, he said, I've not seen this type of faith in all of Israel. Your faith has healed your servant. Go. Sometimes it's not about limiting our light. It's making sure that we don't overpower the other person by how much light the Lord has given us. We want to let that light shine, but it's better to shine with someone than at them. That's what's important to remember. When you sin, Take accountability for your sins. Even if somebody's going to point the finger, oh, well, you know, you're always talking about Jesus, but I hear you saying an F word every five seconds. If you're called out publicly, acknowledge publicly. Don't get all mad and offended, although I understand why you would want to, because this person is probably a hypocrite themselves and they're pointing the finger at you. Resist the urge to be a hypocrite back and respond to them by pointing out their sins. Because Jesus Christ himself said, how can you see the speck in your neighbor's eye when you got a plank coming out of yours? First, clear the plank out of your eye, and then you can see plainly enough to remove the speck from your neighbor's eye. So if we're going to be Christians, we can't be Christians when it's convenient. We have to be Christians, period. We want to follow Christ. We got to follow Christ even when we don't want to. Because I'm sure Jesus Christ didn't want to go out and die for his sins that way. Look at the prayer in Gethsemane when he was sitting there and he's talking to the Father. Father, look, if there's any other way this could happen, please take this cup from my hands. Please take this cup from my hands. But nevertheless, it's not about what I want, Father. It's about what you want. If this is what you want me to do, let your will be done. I will do it exactly as you want me to do it. But if there is any other way that yeah, can be done, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not mad at him for feeling that way. He never doubted. He, he never feared. He just wasn't looking forward to the 
that tough part that he was about to really, really endure. But he was willing to submit his will to the Lord so that the Father's will would be fulfilled over his. And the two wills became one. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to get into a debate about, you know, who the, you know, the Godhead or, or the Trinity or anything like that. We're not, we're, this is not the focus of that. And I know that's one of the biggest causes of debate in the Christian umbrella. People want to debate about God and the Father. And there's so much scripture that can, that can combat these things. And, but that's not the whole point. I'm not trying to focus on division. I'm trying to focus on unity. We're focused on the Savior who died for our sins. That's the focus of this episode. The Savior who died for our sins. Your understanding of him may be different from mine. That's okay. You believe in a Savior that died for our sins, and so do I. You may think that he's white. Someone else may think that he's black. I believe he was Hebrew. But it's it's okay. It, it just, if if he was dark skinned, if if he looked like Wesley Snipes, which I know he didn't, but if if that's what he looked like, it wouldn't make him more my savior than if he was whiter than a Scotsman. A Scotsman. He died for everyone who was willing to accept him. It doesn't matter the color of his skin. We focus so much on things that are that hold no importance, rather than focusing on the fact that we have a savior. Whether he had blue eyes or brown, it doesn't matter. He died. It's the same, the same individual who died for us. Having blue eyes or having tattoos or having you know a mullet or something like that, it, it doesn't make him more our savior. And if we just focus on who he is rather than what he looked like or you know mannerisms he may have had, we would actually start focusing on the target rather than shooting beyond the point. So. I was able to start holding myself accountable when people were calling me out for hypocrisy that I was spewing. I was able to go, you know what? You're absolutely right. I got I put myself in a habit of doing that and people respected that. They saw that I was not perfect, that I made mistakes. But as soon as you call me out on a mistake rather than return. Oh, but what about you? You say this and this. And this. No, I said, you know what? I held myself accountable for what come through my mouth, what came through my mouth and the example that I was expected to uphold. And that act, many people throughout my life, I humbly say, have come up to me and expressed like respect. Even if they were Muslim or Buddhist, atheist, they held me to a respectful stat, a, a status, if you will, because of how consistent I was about my beliefs, how sincere I was. Even when I slipped, I would hold myself accountable. There are people that were cussing around me. I've never said anything to them, but they were cussing around me and then they would look and see me right there, right there. And they were like, oh, I apologize, excuse me. I never asked them to stop, never told them anything about how they talk. And when they, they would just see, because they saw the example was sincere, they took it upon themselves. The Lord worked on their hearts and said, oh, this is, a, this is one of my servants. Be respectful around them. So they started to. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't expecting it. It was just something that happened because the Lord was using me. So I've found that if we focus more on unifying on the, on the gospel of Jesus Christ, more can be done. Now, there are like Buddhists and Christians have a lot of things in common. Take it, like not even talking about the Savior Jesus Christ, but like talking about loving each other, selflessness. These are Christian values that Buddhists also have. 
loving your neighbor is something that Buddhists have. They talk about giving to those in need, serving those in need. There's lots of similarities that we have, and there's tons of Buddhists. If Christians and Buddhists were to get together and focus on feeding the hungry, focus on helping earthquake victims and tsunami victims and stuff like that, rather than say, oh, we don't want anything to do with you guys because you guys worship a statue, when that may not actually be accurate, maybe the statue is just a symbolism, a symbol of their worship and there's their journey to reaching enlightenment, which is called Nirvana. Just like crosses are to many Christians are symbols of Christianity. Maybe if we focus more on understanding what we have in common and working on what we have in common, a lot more good can be done and a lot more God can be present in our lives. So brings me back to my topic. Why is it so hard to follow Jesus Christ? That is a good question. And I believe that I have the answer. I know everyone here is very familiar with LeBron James. Me, personally, I'm not a fan of LeBron James. He's, he's an extraordinarily talented basketball player. I'm a Jordan fan. I, I mean, I, I have my hometown team, but as far as the greatest ever, I believe Michael Jordan is the greatest to ever play the game. And I believe Kobe's right there behind him because Kobe learned so much from Jordan and the discipline that he received at Jordan's, you know, at Jordan's feet, as well as his own work ethic. I think those two are very untouched. LeBron undoubtedly is one of the greatest, but I believe that Jordan and Kobe are, are better. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not a sports expert. I've just seen a number of things throughout my life watching Jordan and how, how versatile he was. Um, but now let me just say this, using LeBron James, because it's a modern example, if LeBron James wanted to leave the Lakers, the Lakers would probably fork out any number to keep him there. If if LeBron said, I'm going to go to the Clippers, the Lakers would be like, no, L.A. is, you know, Lakers are L.A.'s team. We don't want the Clippers to become L.A.'s team. I mean, that's just a that's just a wide known thing. The Clippers and, and the Lakers, they're, you know, they play essentially for Los Angeles until the Clippers move. But the nonetheless is when you think of Los Angeles basketball, you think uh, the Lakers, you think Magic Johnson, you think Will Chamberlain, you think of, uh, of Kobe Bryant, you think of all the greats that really have played and they played for the Lakers. LeBron James, if he wanted to leave the Lakers, the Lakers uh, um, leadership would say, how much do you want? We'll give you whatever you want to stay another two, three years. Just don't don't join the rival team because, you know, we want LA to be remembered as Laker town. They'll do whatever it takes to keep them from becoming Lakers enemy. That's just business. It's the same thing when you have when you have a picture per, uh, a person who is like your like Tom Brady. <laughs> you, you don't want to lose him as a quarterback. You don't want him to go to the rival team, so you'll give him as much money as you have available to to, to give to him to keep him on your team. You don't want to lose to him. You want to keep him on your team. So why do I say all those things? Because there's two forces going on. There's a, there's a war between two forces. One of those forces is the force of good. And the other force is the force of evil. So in God's hands, we can be invincible. 
We can be untouchable. We can be unstoppable. No amount of negative publicity or allegations or or claims or harassment or retribution, nothing can stop someone who's in the hands of God working on God's errand. Nothing. No force. Satan knows this. The devil is very, very versed in the Bible. He knows the Bible better than any one of us. And he knows Jesus more than any of us. He knows his potential, his power. He knows everything about him, which is why he's willing to give you anything you think you may want to pacify you and keep you from fighting against him. Because let's, let's be real. Satan knows that a Sunday Christian is far weaker than a 24, 7, 365 Christian. He doesn't mind if you feel that spirit while you in, while you in Sunday services. As soon as you come out of that church, ah oh man, let me light up that cigarette. Let me go get drunk. Let me go get some girls. Or let me go, you know, do this. Let me go do that. Everything else that takes your mind off God and pulls you far further and further away from Him, He'll flood that. If He knows that that sex is your biggest weakness, oh, better believe He's going to send all kinds of His of His little uh, following sex buddies towards you. He's going to do whatever it can to pacify you. He doesn't want you to fight against him because he knows in God's hands, he has no chance. He's essentially bribing you to not be a threat to him. For all those women out there who are strong and can be incredibly stronger with God's, God's will, God's might, Satan would rather have you play the victim and go, oh, they're 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 persecuting me or i don't have the same you know opportunities because of the fact that i'm a woman and this and this he wants you to be a victim and go woe is me he wants you to stay in that mentality of woe is me helpless me oh poor me he wants you to stay in that mentality because victims don't fight back victims don't fight back those who have been victimized do being victimized and being a victim are two very different things being helpless doesn't allow you to fight back either because there's no hope in that issue there's no hope in that mess when you want to come back to god and you're like you know what it's time for me to stop then he wants to whisper in your ears and say uh-uh you're a sinner god doesn't want that remember the lord said that no unclean thing can inherit the kingdom of heaven you've been out there watching porn you've been masturbating you've been having sex with all these different people you're out there cussing you are as unpure as it gets god doesn't want anything to do with you you got to become like him and look how far he's going to point out your habits. He's going to point out your faults and he's going to focus on your faults. He wants you to focus on your faults. He's going to remind you of your past and throw your past in his face or in, in your face. He's going to highlight your past and your flaws and your and your your failures and your imperfections, your impurities. He's going to highlight all that to show you you're not worth it. You might as well keep doing what you're doing. But that's a massive contrast between Jesus Christ and Satan. Because Satan or because Jesus Christ will not highlight your your flaws and your pains and your and your failures and your sins. He's not going to highlight that unless you're being proud and then he'll highlight it to hum, uh, to humble you, but he's not doing it to inflict pain and to cast you away. He's saying, "Look, Jesus will come right to you and say, "My child, I can't take what you won't give me. 
long ago I paid the price so that if you would choose, I could take away all your sins and it will be like they never happened again. I could forgive you as though you had never sinned. But the only way I can do that is if you give me those sins. You can't say you give them to me and then take them back. And I can't take them from you unless you give them to me. So with stretched out hands, with open arms, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That is the beckoning that he gives to us, the invitation he gives to us. If you're heavy, if you're just loaded down with sin and guilt and sadness and misery and hurt and pain and negativity and hopelessness, come unto me. Stop living in the darkness. Come unto the light. It's just right here. The very moment you truly give your sins to Jesus Christ, that exact moment, the power of his atoning sacrifice starts to work on you. Now, forgiveness is not a one-time event. It is a series of right choices that you make and efforts that you make to be obedient so that the Lord can forgive you. Because the Lord, it's not about your works. Your works don't save you. But let me tell you, there's a link between faith and works. James teaches us in the Bible that faith without works is dead. If you want to show faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's far more than just saying, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. You died for me. I Now I'm saved. No, it's so much more than that. It's saying, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Now I'm going to show you to show it to you. I'm going to show you that I accept you my Lord and, as my Lord and Savior by being obedient and following your commandments. That's what it means to be a Christian. You do your absolute best to follow the example of Jesus Christ, to go visit those who are in the hospital. If you are, if you have a church and you got a sister or a brother who's in the hospital, and you know what I mean, I'm not talking about biological, I'm talking about a member of your congregation or a friend or a neighbor or an associate that you know that is in the hospital, that is sick. Being a Christian, I don't care how busy you are, being a Christian is scheduling and making time to go serve that person so that they know that they weren't forgotten. Because as I said before, the Lord doesn't need us. He doesn't have to use us, but he's calling us. He's calling us so that we can be his hands. One day, I'm, I'm very confident and I believe strongly that one day when we are judged by Jesus Christ, I believe that those who are righteous to the best of their abilities will stand with Jesus Christ and then he will say, come here. And he would put his arm around you as you stand on his right side. And then you'll see this multitude of people, this massive body of people. And he's going to be like, you see all them? And you're going to say, yeah, who are they? Or you're going to say, yes, Lord, who are they? And he's going to say, these are all the people that I was able to bring home because of you. And you're going to be like, what? I didn't even talk to that many people. And he's going to say, no, no, no. It wasn't about that. 
all the people you try to reach for my help and like with my guidance and my my uh, assistance all the people you try to reach in my name there is only seven that received the gospel but those seven went out and shared the gospel with many other people and those other people shared the gospel with other people and they so on and so forth but if it weren't for your obedience they would not have heard it was because you let me use you the way I wanted to that's why all those people were able to rejoice in the kingdom of heaven with you you see one of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity is that it's self-centered so many people go oh you don't have to go to church to be a good person you're absolutely right you don't but you do have to go to church to be a Christian why I mean some people might even disagree with that and say no no it's not true because the body of Christ is a church yeah but the church buildings itself that's also part of the body of Christ and going to church is not about the building it's about serving the people in that building it's about helping to sharpen those people in the building so that the Lord's work can go forth unhindered by our own pride and weakness if we are thinking about oh, I don't like the people in that church oh, I don't like the way they treat me or I don't like that I haven't gotten a calling or I don't like that there's favoritism so what who cares what you like it's not about you it's about what God can do through you and if we are in God's get in God's way we're gonna to have to answer for the fact that we were in God's way he says if you're not with me you are scattering abroad if you're not gathering in my name you're shooing you're you're scattering so when God wants to send you to that church so that you can minister even if your church is full of hypocrites don't be a hypocrite be the one who shows the example of Jesus Christ by loving, not judging, by serving, by taking care of other people. Maybe the Lord doesn't even want you in that church. Maybe the Lord wants you in his church. You just haven't found it yet. Maybe you've been looking for a church that meets your needs and that is, a, is convenient for you or tells you things that you want to hear. Now, let me ask you this to, 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 to consider. The, Jesus Christ said that the only way to the Father is through me, meaning him. The only way into heaven, into eternal life, is to do it the Lord's way. So do you really want to go search out a church that says the things that you want to hear just because you agree with them? Or do you want to say, Lord, where do you want me? And be ready to act on where he sends you. The Lord has only ever had imperfect people to work with. He's never had perfect people to work with. Besides Jesus Christ, who's the only perfect individual ever walked to earth, he's only had imperfect individuals. So it's probably very frustrating that he can't get a perfect person to, to serve him. But that's the beauty of it. The Lord doesn't like to use, you know, Hercules types of dudes all the time to, to serve him because he wants his hand to be shown in the weakness of others. Moses, when he freed Egypt, had a speech impediment, but the Lord made him mighty. Ruth, because of her beauty and her humility, she was able to save all the Jews from getting massacred. David, who was a winkling, a very scrawny little boy, who was a shepherd, he couldn't even put the armor on when they tried to give him the armor to fight Goliath. He was scared 
or you know, he, he was like not scared. He just was like, I can't move in this armor. It's restrictive and it's too heavy for me to carry. Just take it off. And he picked up a couple of stones. He got a sling and he went to go face a nine foot dude because he told all the rest of the house of Israel, nobody's going to disrespect my God. We're going to show those heathens that you want to disrespect the God of Israel. There are consequences for it. And when Goliath was about to, you know, get up there and after he mocked him, David went right to business and said, all right, Lord, let's do this. And he slung a stone right at his head and killed him. And he saved the entire house of Israel. That scrawny little untrained warrior with God's help slayed Goliath and just like dominated an entire enemy nation. By small and simple things, the Lord tends to want to work. So if you're willing to follow the Lord the way the Lord wants you to follow him, you are a Christian. If you want to follow the Lord only on your terms, you're not a Christian. That's just black and white. That's what the Lord said. You either follow me or you don't. You should know them by the fruits. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ only on Sunday for a couple hours, you're not a Christian. And as embarrassing and humiliating as it is for me to say this, I hate that the words are coming from my mouth, but this is real talk with RJ. I want so bad to be a Christian, but I'm not that yet. But I am working on it. As God is my witness, I am working on it. I have work that I still need to do on myself. So when I'm talking, I'm not just talking to my audience, I'm talking to myself too. Because I hold myself accountable for my mistakes and the things that I've done. There's things with which I battle and the Lord has been very merciful in helping me and healing me from, from pains and, and scars that I've had throughout my life. He's healing me from those things. But I'm so much closer than I was before. I've come to know a loving savior who can help me through any challenge. And I know he's not holding my past against me. He's forgiven me of my past. Now is just the, the part of forsaking those sins so that I can move forward and be the man he created me to be, to be the servant he's created me to be. I know that when people come into my home, they feel the spirit because he, he's definitely here. He definitely, his influence is definitely here. I just got little, little screws that I need to continue tightening, tightening on my spiritual journey. So I'm a work in progress, but that's the thing. I'm not perfect and I'm not where I need to be yet, but I have been moving forward. And that's the honest truth. I have been moving forward spiritually and the Lord has been very merciful to me because he doesn't need to take the time with me, but he chooses to. He's been the best teammate I could ever ask for. And I know, and I, this is why I was thinking about this subject is because I was like, Lord, why do I battle with these things so much? Like, why do I, you know, I struggle with these different issues throughout my life. And he's like, well, it's because you're incredibly strong, son. And Satan is threatened by you. He knows your talent and your abilities. He knows how strong you can be in my hands. But he doesn't want you to be that. But the thing is, my child, that if you don't start getting control of your weaknesses and if you don't stand up against the adversary, if you don't worship me and follow me the way I want you to, there are millions of people out there I can't reach because of you. There's so much that I want to do through you, son. There's so much I want to do through you, but I can only do it if you let me. 
I cannot change for you. I need you to change for me because my way is the perfect way. And I need you to fall in line with that. For many are called and few are chosen. The reason why is because so many are called but won't answer the call. So they can't be chosen. My son, I want you to be chosen. I want to choose you. Let me show you how you can qualify for that. Those are the things that he's been putting in my heart. Now to every one of you, from my own example, my own experiences, I testify to you that we serve a Lord who is more powerful than any force out there. God is love. We love him because he first loved us. And I tell you that there is no sin, not one, that is so deep he can't reach in and, and pull you out. Now, having said that, because of his atoning sacrifice, we don't have to pay the full debt and the full price of those sins. But there will be a price that we have to pay. Like, to put it in monetary terms, even though it's not about money, just to give you kind of an idea of what I mean by that, let's say you owed $10 million. Jesus came and said, I'll pay the $10 million and let me be the one who is in charge of that debt. So they go, okay, I, you paid me the money. You don't owe me anymore. Now you owe Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not going to charge you $10 million for what you owe. I'll go ahead and take care of the rest of it, but you're going to have to work off 50,000 of that because you can work that off. You're capable of that. It's going to be hard, but I'll be right here with you. That's what he would do. But now apply that monetary example to our sins. There's consequences with sin. There's con he, like people can say all sin is sin. The Lord looks at all sin as, de as de despicable, but it's clear in the Bible that there are sins that are more serious than others. Doesn't mean that one sin is okay to commit and the other one, no, they're all bad. But certain sins are more heinous in the Lord's eyes than others. You know, he's very clear about that. He says it even in, in the Bible that he says, all sins made against the son of man will be forgiven. He says, but sins against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven, not in this life, nor in the next. So there are very, there's, there's a sin that is out there where there could be no forgiveness. And he even said that sins against the Holy Ghost, meaning you are willfully, you know, that the Holy Ghost, you know, the Lord is Jesus Christ. You know, that God lives, you know, the gospel, but you willingly go out and say, nope, it's all a lie. You were knowingly sinning against the Holy Ghost. You are knowingly sinning against the Holy Ghost. That sin, there's no forgiveness because you're, you're willingly destroying yourself. And you're denying the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You can look that sin up. It's, it's definitely something I don't encourage. It's, it's definitely a, uh, a dangerous, dangerous sin. Having said that, the Lord can help anybody who sins in ignorance. The Lord can help anybody who has not committed the unforgivable sin. He do, he's, he's not in the business of condemning his kids. He wants to save as many of us as he possibly can, but he can only do it if we allow him to. So that was the whole purpose of this message. 
Each and every one of you are priceless. Each and every one of you could have come forth and be born at any time in the world. But rather than be born back then when life was a little bit easier and more simple, the Lord has allowed you to come forth in a time where there's so much division, where the earth is at the most evil it's ever been. It's ever been. Why? Because you always sin in your strongest in the darkest times. You save your strongest for the last. When it's the fourth quarter and your fourth in inches, you put in your superheroes to get that extra couple of inches to get that touchdown and win the game. That's who the Lord's bringing forth, his strongest children. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, that is your right. You have that ability. That is your choice. And we respect it. But if you do believe, be an example of what you believe. And being a believer doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out and preach the gospel to every single person that comes out. You don't walk up to somebody who's who's mad and angry and say, you need Jesus. What right do you have to assume you know them? Love is so much more powerful than condemnation. And I never once heard Jesus con uh, condemn anybody when he was preaching. Jesus loved. He served. That's what Christians should do. If you see someone who's a, who's a tarot reader, don't condemn them because they serve differently than you. Love them. You, if they ask, do you believe or you want a card, uh, you want a card reading session? You have the right to say, no, I have my personal views on that. I, I thank you. Appreciate that. Cause they're not trying to insult you. They're trying to offer you a service with good intentions. So don't condemn them for that. Don't return uh, evil with good or good with evil. Respond with kindness. Say, no, I have my own personal beliefs about that, but I do appreciate the offer. Thank you so much. And you guys could be incredible friends. You see somebody that's atheist, don't condemn them for not believing. Live your example. If it doesn't work for them, maybe they'll start under or start wondering, man, why is this person always happy? Every time I go to their house, their, their family is just so full of joy and happiness and there's a peace there. Like, how do I get that? And then that's your opportunity because your example is the loudest witness of the gospel that you have. Your words mean nothing without actions backing them up. If you tell your spouse, I love you with all my heart, yet you go around sleeping with other people, your words are nothing but hot air and vocal cords vibrating. So to all those believers who are listening, whether you are a believer in Christ, a believer in Wiccanism, or a believer in, in Odinism, or whatever the case may be, whatever your beliefs are, the world needs unity amongst those who mean to do better with life. So may we start building bridges. For those who are Christians, may we start unifying with others who are not, who want safer streets. If you see, if you're a Christian and you see someone trying to pack, like handle two children that are young and put the groceries in their trunk, why don't you go over and say, hey, May I, may I put your groceries in your trunk for you? May I load your groceries in your car for you? So, like, you look like you got your hands full with those, those youngins. You know, those youngsters, help them. 
You don't have to stick around and say, do you know about Jesus Christ? No, you don't need to do that. Because remember, it's not you who, who converts people. It's the Lord. He'll tell you when to speak. He'll give you the opportunities. If we get in his way, we're going to mess it up. I know that from experience because I've done it. I've gotten his way when he would give me an opportunity to share the gospel. I start sharing the gospel and then I'd shove the entire Bible through someone's throat on accident. But it was because I was so passionate. And then that person, you know, sensory overload and they go run away. And then I'm like, oh, crap, messed up. So I started learning, like, you're not the one that's in charge of these lessons. The Lord is just using you as a vessel. You're the paintbrush. But remember, the Lord is the artist. So I don't condemn anybody for what they believe. I don't have the right to do that. There's too much condemnation going on, too much judgment going on. And I, I love hearing, like I got some friends that are, that are liberals um, and I love them dearly because we have very differentiating views on things, but we respect the fact that we have differentiating views and we don't condemn each other for that. They go and vote the way they believe and, and sometimes they'll ask me about how I feel about a certain bill because it affects you know me or it affects um, minorities or something like that. They might ask me questions about that because they don't relate with that so they don't understand. You know, we'll have good conversations and discussions, but there's a bridge there. And with all my heart, I wish there were more bridges amongst the believers because people are separating and, and, and just um, exiling other faiths because they believe different than they do. But there's so much more of an impact that can happen when people unify. When the Million Man March happened, I'm confident not all those people were Baptist. There were Catholics, Jews, there were Muslims, there were atheists, there were hippies, there were all kinds of people that marched in that Million Man March to hear the I Have a Dream speech. Unified. I love going to go to concerts. I love going to concerts because no one in those in the audience cares if you're a Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. We're there to listen to music and have a good time. I went to go see Swedish House Mafia and everybody was just dancing. Nobody cared about anything else in the world. We were just there dancing and having a good time. And it was raining and the performers still performed even though it was raining, even on them. They just put plastic over their over their equipment and they performed because that we mattered to them. And we were all dancing in the rain and having a great time. It was just a, a wonderful show. When people come together in unity, building bridges rather than destroying them, God's work is so much more evident. You want to see proof of that? Look at the next time you see a natural disaster. Next time you see a village that gets clean water, please understand these villages that don't have clean water that are finally getting it, it's not one church that's doing that. It's not one faith that's doing it. It's multiple organizations working together to bring those people clean water. It's multiple organizations of faith coming together to pull people from the rubble, rebuild homes, bring in food and, and shelter and, and dry clothing and stuff like that. That's what happens when people unify regardless of belief systems. That's why Satan doesn't want us following Christ. He's threatened by you. You give the devil nightmares by being obedient to Jesus Christ. 
or do you say we make him more afraid? Let's rise up. Let's stop letting the world tell us how we should talk, how we should be, how we should act. Let's get back to our roots of loving one another, regardless of belief. Let's get back to serving. Let's get back to being fathers who love by example. Mothers who love by example. Brothers and sisters who love by example. Christians who aren't afraid to love, who aren't afraid to hug, who aren't afraid to go embrace somebody who clearly has different beliefs than they do without judging them. Let's get back to what it means to follow Jesus Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ or whatever it is that you believe. And then we can conquer this world with love and beauty and peace. That's what the Lord wants. As always, so thankful for the opportunity to be able to share my thoughts with you all. And I welcome anybody that has anything they'd like to add. As always, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say or would like to say. This show is far bigger than myself. It's it's a privilege to be able to do what I do. And I've heard a number of people with whom I associate that have heard my uh, have heard my podcast episodes and have told me about what they believe and how uh, some of my episodes have helped them, helped them heal, helped them forgive themselves or forgive them their past or forgive others who have hurt them. Like I've heard a number of like very strong responses to the episodes I've created. And I'm really grateful for that, that this is what it was all about. So if you have anything you'd like to add, I definitely would love to hear from you. And um, if you prefer to do it uh, privately, as always, I leave my email with you. Please feel free to email me. My email is ross.curtis, all lowercase, the number 723 at gmail.com. Again, that is Ross period Curtis 723 at gmail.com, all lowercase. Please put the subject line as podcast so I know it's from you and not a spam message. And I encourage you to go out there wherever podcasts are available. You can also see my other podcast episodes, Real Talk with RJ, that the ones that have not aired on Wisdom. Um, and I have lots of other great shows on there as well. So please uh, don't forget to go to Spotify or Amazon Music, or wherever the case may be, wherever you hear your podcast. Like, subscribe, and follow, and please share these messages with other people, especially those individuals who are struggling to follow Jesus Christ or whatever it is they believe. This is all about getting to the roots of who you follow and what you believe so that we can make this world a better place. Thank you so much for inviting me into your homes, into your cars, into your ears, into your lives. I know that you could be anywhere you choose, but you chose to be here with me, and I'm really grateful for that. May you have a wonderful day or a wonderful evening, whatever time it is when you hear this message. Thank you so much for listening to Real Talk with RJ, signing out.